right. How is everyone doing today? Doing, doing good? Midweek? Crazy week? A lot of schoolwork? Hope everyone's well. Well, before we begin, please bow your heads with me once more. Dearly Father, thank you so much for giving us many things, Lord, and blessing us and guiding us, Lord. And Lord, today, as I stand before uh, my fellow peers and my colleagues, Lord, may you speak through me, Lord. May these words not be my own, but yours. May your spirit shine through. Then I may pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Leslie Rolconti, and uh, as Pastor Terry mentioned, I am studying at the School of Public Health. <clears throat> today, I'm here to tell you a little about who Jesus is to me and where I am today with Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, to me, Jesus is the big I am. He is my friend, he is my savior, he is my everything. Jesus also refers to himself as being the vine. And he refers to, well, if he's the vine, then I am the branches. We are the branches. If you take a look at this, uh, this picture, it kind of illustrates, it's simplistic. Uh, you can't really see the graphics that well, but it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I thought it was a nice picture. It's by uh, Janine Winters, who paints a lot of religious paintings. And it shows kind of the simplicity of what God was saying, yet there's a, a very momentous thing behind what importance behind what God is saying between the vine. If you look at the vine, the vine provides nutrients for the branches. And in the same way, so does Jesus. We're connected to Jesus through the vine, and he provides for us. I would like to stand here before you and say, there's only one event in my life that got me to this point and helped me see Jesus. But rather, it's a culmination of events that have culminated to shape my faith and bring me back to Jesus. If I were to tell you that my life was fine, dandy, walking on the yellow brick road, I would be lying to you. I'd be fake. But through the ups and downs, I could tell you there was one point in my life that if there was one point I could name that affected me and kind of steered me in this direction. That happened at last year university where I attended and, uh, school. I was studying biology there, and within my first few years, I remember thinking to myself, I just lost my grandfather. He passed away from uh, pancreatic cancer. And so I was sitting there uh, wondering, you know, why God? Why me? Why my family? Why my grandfather? You know, he worked really hard all his life to provide for my, my mom and my uncles. A man who fully was not, he wasn't selfish. He gave everything he had for his kids. And I started questioning God. God, why did a man like that had to pass away? And I also started questioning other things. Where am I in my academ academic route? Why are certain things not working out the way I wanted them to? Why am I struggling? Why am I going through certain family ordeals? And so forth and so forth. I sat there, imagine if you, if you will, in a dark room um, with no light, just questions, just silence. As I talked with God, I couldn't figure out, why aren't you answering me back, God? I'm here. I'm talking to you. Aren't you supposed to be the living God, the omnipotent? Yet there was no answer, just silence. So I sat there, and I pondered. I studied. I tried everything. But yet I could not fill the void that was inside me, some depression. I couldn't, I couldn't express to you why the depression onset. It could have been possibly due to my grandfather's death. 
could have been other things, but it wouldn't go away. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I tried to be happy, hang out with friends, whatever it was, it was still there. Soon enough, um, as time went on, uh, I met a friend, a friend named Akeem. Now, Akeem, if you meet Akeem, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. Short, always wore a red cap, always running around the biology department trying to help uh, do things in the lab. Um, Akeem was a great guy. He was dedicated, he was a devoted student, friend, son, and brother. Now, Akeem, he lived, there's one thing you need to know about Akeem, and that's he's an optimist, a very much an optimist. He sees an F on his test, he's kind of like, fantastic. <laughs> I, I can't explain to you that. If, if I looked at it, I would be in horror and want to go, you know, I don't know what I would do, I would just be horrified. But Akeem took things with a different spin, and he always seemed to be optimistic about things and be happy. Even though you could see in his face, there was a little puzzling you know, moments of, oh no, but then he'd be like, you know what, it's okay. Life's grand, there's more to life than just these grades. I know my end goal, I'm gonna get there. As long as I'm helping people along the way, that's what it is. So every day, Hakeem would show up to the biology department with a smile on his face, and I know every morning he would give me a, you know, a high five or a hug or something, just be like, hey, we can do this today. Don't worry about it, Les, we got it. And so, <laughs> So with Akeem, there was that. I never understood it, because on the inside, I was feeling lost. I was feeling a void. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, why is he so happy? You know, while, while I'm here in gloom and doom and not understanding what's going on in my life. But I took an interest, and I started to hang out with Akeem more and more. I started to talk with him, converse with him, um, and, and trying to be able to understand who he was. Unfortunately, Akeem passed away in 2007. Uh, one day before we had an exam, a biology exam, um, Akeem just never showed up. Uh, later on, we found out that he passed away from, a, he had epilepsy and had died in his sleep from a seizure. Um, yeah. Akeem was a dedicated person once more, a person who had hardships behind him, who had no reason necessarily to be happy because he was providing for his mom and his sister. He had gone through many hardships, and maybe that's why Akeem had to see life through a different perspective, a different eyeglass than I did, and then maybe than we do. And I started to sit there during his memorial service, a student memorial service that we had at uh, Matheson Chapel at La Sierra. And I started to ponder myself, there's another question, another thing added to the fire. Why Akeem, God? Why him? You know, why my grandfather? Why Akeem? You know, Akeem deserved it. He wanted to be a physician. He wanted to serve. He wanted to use that passion he had, the knowledge for human biology, and apply it to the, the field of medicine to serve. He had that passion, because he loved the knowledge that much, and he loved the people that much to do, and give back, because he knew what it was like to cope from hardship. As I sat there, kind of unknowing what to do, like, what should I do? I, I don't feel God. This memorial service, it's a waste. Why should we even do this? Why should we even pray? And it's not like God's gonna bring them back. So I sat there. All of a sudden, I heard a song. Uh, I can't tell you what hymn it was, but I can only tell you that it was Akeem's favorite. Um, he used to whistle it along the hallways. And when he did, when I heard the song, the sweet melody in my ears, if you will, um, it really started reminding me of what Akeem said to me. And it was one thing, is that 
Bless, Jesus is divine. Maybe that's why I'm happy. I'm starting to get to know this God. I'm happy. I wasn't always happy, though, Les, but I'm happy now because every day is a new life. Every day is a blessing to be alive. I have many opportunities that others do not have, and that's why I'm happy. Because even if I fail now, I can get back up and I can be a better person. It's just a learning experience. But along the way, he's like, remember, treat people like you want to be treated. Something that we, we probably have heard from Jesus. As Jesus says, it's that. But as I want to tell you, and I want to read you a verse, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. John 15, 1. What does that mean? Well, for me, it means that no matter what's going on in life, God is there for us. That he is pruning me. Regardless of the things happening in our lives, God is always there. Even through the sadness, even through the cracks, the light of God will shine through us. He will abide in us. And if you read this verse right here, John 15, uh, 2 to 5, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As I started to ponder that verse in my mind, I sat there thinking, Akeem, even in your death, your life, you've pointed to Christ. If you were here today, he would probably keep smiling and keep telling me, keep going. Life's too grand to let yourself fall apart and be depressed. Let God's light shine through you. Abide in him. If you look at this right here, we sit and, and, and ponder what life really is. Well, to me, Jesus, He's a friend. He's a savior. He's the vine and we are the branches. We're connected to the, the most omnipotent being in the world. The one who provides for us even when we don't want him there. Regardless of us, his arms are wide open. He asks us, come home. And as we're connected to the vine, he provides nutrition, strength, wisdom. And if you can look at this slide, the fruits that we bear, the light. May we all be transparent through him and may his light shine through us. My joy has been on holiday and my peace is almost passed away. Tell me I'm forgiven and free. Cause I've tried and tried to rectify my hopeless situation. But I bought the lie, I still had work to do. And now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation. But then, like I can earn. Er, er. 
Embarrassing. <laughs> it's funny because you practice and you, you practice and, and you practice and you mess up. You work so hard and, and, and you work hard, you work hard so you, you really can't work anymore and then you fail. The chaplains asked me to speak today and uh, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I started to say to myself, um, what kind of theological statements could I be able to whip up, you know, to put together some type of loquacious lecture on the life of Lumim, who is the third son of Dedan, son of Jokshan, son of Abraham, from Keturah, not, not Sarah, from Keturah. Um, or, or which eschatological interpretation could I be able to present that would really throw the whole room into confusion and cause people's heads to spin? I mean, could I really put together some type of obstacle course uh, of, of, of rhetoric and, and, and verbosity that would cause people to sit back in their pews and look at me and say, wow, that guy can preach. <laughs> but before I could continue, the chaplains, they went on. And we want you to speak about your spiritual life. Yeah, speak from the heart. It's <laughs> pretty much the extent of my chaplain interpretations <laughs> and impersonations. <clears throat> But I am honestly thankful that they asked me to speak on my spiritual journey. And, um, and so today what I want to do is I want to self-disclose a little bit and, and share with you a little bit of my heart. Um, there are some of you in here who, who already know me a little bit and um, could care less to get to know me anymore. Um, so I do understand that. But because I've been asked, I'm going to speak today. Uh, allow me to, to introduce myself. I have some, some notes here. Um, my name is Brian, Brian Nemwange. I, I was born in New Jersey, and, and I, was, I, was, I grew up in Illinois. Uh, from there, I, I attended Southern Adventist University in Tennessee, where I got my BS in biochem, a minor in biology, and a minor in religion. Now I'm here in the School of Pharmacy at Loma Linda U. And so, as much as that's sharing my heart, all those things you can find on Facebook, uh, and if you're adventurous, like I know some of you are, you can go on online potpourri and stalk me. And so today, what I would like to do is disclose a little bit more so about how God has worked with me. Uh, and, and I'm going to do so by, by sharing with you a little bit about my life. And so I want to take you back to the year of 2007. 2007, fresh out of high school, got accepted into the university I want to go to. I'm ready to become a man. I'm ready to spread my wings. I'm ready to find a wife. Hallelujah, amen, somebody. Huh? So we took the long trip from Illinois down, down, down to Tennessee. And, and, and I can tell you, honestly, those years at Southern were some of the best years of my life. I, I mean, I became popular. I became respected. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I was a senator. I was an ambassador. And even in my last year, I, yeah, I ran, and, and I became the president of the entire student body. And um, of course, those were sweet times. Um, of course, with sweet times, you have bitter chapters. And so today I want to share with you a little bit about a chapter in my life that really allowed me to go deeper in my spiritual walk. I was a freshman. I came right on campus, right into college, new, new region, new state, new twang, whole new environment. And I mean, I want to tell you it was rough, but it wasn't. Honestly, I came in, people liked me, 
I was popular. I was, I was singing in this choir, doing solos here. I was uh, the lead play and uh, lead role in plays. I, I mean, I did so much. I, I was in this group, I was in that group. I was everywhere. I even got to the point where I was an assistant chaplain for one of the major clubs on campus. And there was a time when one of the deans, he asked me to do worship in the dorm. So as you know, I, I sat there and thought of all those big theological words I could say to blow away all these college students. Yeah, I did something like that. And he said, what, are you gonna do it or not? And I said, with a big grin, of course, of course. <laughs> and so I was speaking for seven and 10 o'clock worship. You know, I, around four o'clock was pretty much done with everything that I was gonna say. I had my cross references, I had my key texts, I had my outline, I had the quotes I was gonna shoot all across the chapel and wow people, bam, 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 C.S. Lewis, bam, 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 E.G. Dub. And I was all over the place making sure that everything was good. And, and it was around four o'clock, like I said. So three hours, maybe take a nap, relax. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm knee deep in biblegateway.com. And uh, so I just figured, let me just open a couple tabs, let me browse a little bit. So I'm probably like 13 tabs in on my browser. And, and at this point now, I'm like neck deep, like, like top, I don't know what the anatomy term is, but the, the top, top of my neck, deep in pornography. Yeah. Surprise? I was. See, I, I, had, I, had, I had practice, and I had practice, and I had practice piety. I, I had worked, and I had worked, and I had worked in worship. I had preached, and I had teached. I had sang, and I had served. Yet I was still empty. As a matter of fact, it's like something was missing. And, and, and it wasn't the first time that I sat there in my guilt and in my shame. And Lord have mercy, it wouldn't have been the last. But I came to know something of the ugliness of sin. Of, of this darkness that encompasses you like a black cloud when your habits and your lifestyle slowly but surely separate you from God. Now on the outside, of course, everything looked great. I'm, I'm in clubs, I'm on stage. But on the inside, I was struggling actually with more than just lust, more than just pornography. I was struggling with selfishness. I was struggling with pride. And as I did more introspection, I came to realize that in the deep down inside of me, the real issue was more than just my actions, it was my motives. They were tainted with the love of influence, the love of the esteem of others, rather than any deep-rooted love in God or for his people. It was some time later, there was a friend of mine who was speaking at dorm worship. I remember going and, and, and he was you know, talking about many things in the Christian life, and as he was concluding, he, he started to talk about this pseudo-Christianity, this fake Christianity that really isn't Christianity at all. I, I know often I, I fall into this place where I'm so caught up in the rules and the regulations and the do's and in the don'ts, and, and those have been set for our good. But oftentimes, as he put it, we forget that there's a very important aspect, a, a very important uh, paradigm shift that can occur. And, and he put it this way, and he, and he said a statement that I don't think I'll ever forget. He, he put it like this. He said that the Christian life, the Christian life, is not a matter of resisting sin, it's a matter of surrendering to the Savior. 
that the Christian life is more than just fighting and trying to change by behavioral, by behavioral modifications, all the things on the outside. It's, 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 it's a beholding of Christ. And, and, and I can remember as, as I, was, I was sitting there, I started to realize that the man or the woman who is focused and, and is set on their guilt and on their shame will never find power there. That in those seasons when, when the darkness comes and you're by yourself and you mess up, you're not in front of everybody else and, and nobody knows about it, but the devil is there and, and he sings that, that, that song over and over, that age-old song that you are cursed and that you are gone astray, there is a chorus that you can sing. There is a refrain. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. There's a text I, I want to share with you. Is it coming up? As, I, as, I, as I, I came to learn, um, God was doing something, and he did something great at, at Calvary. And in and, and Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, you read that God is giving us salvation freely. He's giving it to us without price, without a cost. And that's in the classic testament. In the New Testament, you come to read, as Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, that, that God has put the world square with himself through the Messiah, through Jesus. And, and he's given us a fresh start, a fresh start by offering forgiveness for our sins. And then even more so, he tells us to go out and to tell people that God is creating this bond with the earth, with the human race, that each one who comes and accepts Christ may have peace. Now, I know some people are probably not keen on hearing this, but I know for me, when I was growing up and I heard someone say, oh, you're just a friend, that probably detrimented me completely. But in, in, in John chapter 15, verse 15, I, I, I wrestle with this text because sometimes I want to be a warrior and I want to battle with the sword of the spirit. I want to be a co-laborer and I want to go out and I want to bring in the sheaves. But the book of John says that God calls us friend. He calls me a friend. He, he wants me to come into relationship with him to develop his character as I spend time with him, as I spend time in his word. My appeal is simple, and um, it's this. Become friends with God, because he's already a friend with you. As, you. as you draw near to him with sincerity, as you draw near to him with humility, he will draw near to you with his power and with his spirit so that you can live freely by his grace, his amazing grace that has been given to you freely. As you, as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you with forgiveness and with love. Tell me I'm forgiven and loved Because I hear it from the street corner priest, yeah On how God is loving, how man can be clean But my joy has been on holiday And my peace is almost passed away Tell me I'm forgiven and free because I've tried and tried to rectify my hopeless situation, but I bought the lie, I still had work to do. And now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation. 
But there is no condemnation in you, yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, whisper to me now, say it's for real. Oh, oh, cause in the silence of these walls, righteousness lost its appeal. Those dirty deeds have done me in, but that can't stop our faithful friend giving mercy once again as you hear. I tell you, my sister, no matter what, your love. My friends, you're forgiven by he who is love. Oh, yes, you're forgiven 